welcome to the podcast of the universe. Warning, Steve is on his bullshit again. Let's start the show. Welcome back. This is Podcast of the Universe. I am your host, Steve. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at thisispotu, T-H-I-S-I-S-P-O-T-U. It has been a while since I put out a show, but of course, I've been busy preparing and uh, getting everything ready for the twins, who are still not here yet, and that is okay. Probably another five or six weeks, and we'll have we'll have two kiddos stinking up the joints. Um, a couple weeks ago, I played Baby uh, B's heartbeat. I wasn't quick enough to record Baby A's, and I said I would get her on here. So let's do that now, and we'll move on with the show. So that was Baby A. She was she was beat to the show by Baby B about a month ago. All right, so let's do some housekeeping before we get into the show. So this is a banana episode, and that intro was Run the Jewels, Banana Clipper, Instrumental, and Banana Clipper is a track off their debut album. A great album. They're all great albums, all three. Four should be coming out soon, I think. So housekeeping items. Uh, some new countries listening. Uh, five new countries. Uh, Iceland, South Africa, Saudi Arabia, Norway, and Italy. Uh, so that is pretty neat. I'm really enjoying the Anchor app where it'll show you all the countries that listen, uh, the percentage of the audience that they make up, and actually the regions where they're listening uh, from. So that's pretty neat. Now, some of you have said that maybe I give hats a hard time sometimes, but we have a certain dynamic and uh, I don't feel bad. So let me grab my phone real quick. I had a message the other day, um, and it was from Hats. And it was actually from an Instagram account, and he said, hey, add me. I finally made an account, and a little waving hand. And I thought, great, great Hats is on Instagram now. He's going to promote the show. Now I know, usually when I ask him to talk on the show, I know he's not going to, but I'll ask him anyway. It's more of a, a, a running gag, I guess, in my head. And also uh, makes me less frustrated than, than not making a joke out of it. Because it, it burns me up sometimes that he won't even, won't even get on the mic and say anything. So anyway, I said, great, Hats is on Instagram. So if you want to follow him, he's uh, Hats the Producer. So H-A-T-S. T-H-E-P-R-O-D-U-C-E-R. So he has four followers. He's been on there for a few days now. Um, so I looked at his post, and it's a close-up of something. I don't know what it is. It looks like maybe there's carpet on the ground and a white wall and a tube in the middle. I don't know what the tube is. It could be anything. It could be anything, but it's probably not important. It's probably something pretty stupid. Uh, and there's no text or reference for the picture. There's just nothing. And yesterday, or last evening, uh, he posted a picture of a grate, it looks like, or maybe a window screen. And there's a little little bunch of grass, or a clump of grass in, in front of the screen. And that's it. So I posted, when you come over tomorrow morning, I want to complain about your posts. Also bring coffee, please. He did bring coffee. So thank you for that. 
but I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you have an Instagram account. Um, so you, you're not using your name. You're using your, your name for the show. Your profile picture looks like a bunch of hats or a wall of hats. And it even looks upside down if I look at it close. And then you wrote this bio producer of the popular and the word popular has a line running through it like a strike through producer of the podcast of the universe. Now hats, I know it's not popular. I get the numbers too. I know it's not a popular podcast. So the only thing I can think of is that you've made this account to intentionally infuriate me. Anyway, do better, do better on Instagram. You don't have to be weirdo like me on Instagram, but you could do a little bit better. Maybe, maybe between shows you can, you can pump us up a little bit. Um, other housekeeping item, I made an app. Um, it's not a good app, but it's an app and I tested it and it seems to work. Uh, so I've submitted it for review. Now, no one would want to download an app just to listen to this podcast because you can get this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else, wherever you get podcasts. Like it's pretty wild, widely available, but I, I wanted to make an app. So, um, I made an app and I'm not sure how it's going to look. It's probably going to look like it's an app from 15 years ago. Did they have apps 15 years ago, 10 years ago? <laughs> so um, yeah, so I have, uh, have it all set up. There's contact information on there. You can listen to the show. It'll link you right to the anchor page where they will play. And, uh, there's a complaint form that you can fill out, uh, with any complaints and it has our contact information and about, so yeah, so it's, uh, the about section, the complaint department, listen to the show, the social links and contact. So I made, I made an app. And, uh, it was, it was fun to play around with. So anyway, when I, when I get that approved and put through the store, I will, uh, I'll, I'll send that out with, the the link. So, yeah, um, I don't expect that, uh, it'll be, uh, useful to people, but I wanted to make an app to see if I could. So I did, and it looks like I've never made an app before in my life, which I haven't. So. I felt it was a, uh, it's a true app in that I don't know what I'm doing. So this banana episode, how am I going to make bananas are interesting? And why did I make a banana episode? We all have things in our house, whether they're, um, food or items or, uh, building materials as a society, we don't really know where a lot of things come from now. I'm not some holier than thou person. I don't make the best decisions, but I do think it's good to have all the information available. Uh, I'm not suggesting that you stop buying bananas after you listen to this episode. Um, but every few years, and this has been happening for, I don't know, maybe 10 years. Uh, I would see an article where it would say, Oh, bananas going extinct. You're not going to have bananas anymore. And it's not entirely true. Uh, there are, threats to the banana or the banana as we know it. So 
usually it's just for it's a an attention grabbing headline but there's a lot of neat information on why the banana is the way that it is so i wanted to touch on that and some other banana facts and people in the 1900s they used to write banana songs like there's a lot of banana songs so i found four or five and i'm gonna put them into the, the show now sometimes in shows past i would uh, force an entire song on the listener especially during that cult episode um, that was probably too much but i put them out there in their entirety this one i'm just gonna do small clips so the first one is going to be Harry Belafonte, the Banana Boat Song, which you may be more familiar with it as Day-O. That came out in 1956. So let's play that interlude. It won't be long. And we'll get into uh, we'll get into this banana business. Now also, there's a lot of um, um, background, like political background information, like geopolitical issues. Um, that I'm pretty ignorant of, uh, even still, uh, so I'm not an expert there, and I am not a botanist. A lot of you may have thought I was a botanist, but I'm not. Please don't stop the show in a fit of rage. Forgive me, but I will position this information as easily as possible and when necessary. Uh, I will uh, use the words of other people who can explain it more eloquently than I, than I ever could. So this is Harry Belafonte singing Banana Boat Song, and let's get on with the show. A beautiful bunch, a ripe banana. Daylight come and we want to go home. Hide the deadly black tarantula. Daylight come and we want to go home. Live six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Now, bananas are an edible fruit, and fun fact, they're actually botanically a berry. I did not know that before I did the show, and they grow from the largest herbaceous flowering plants. A few years ago, like I mentioned, I read an alarming article that the banana was going extinct. Uh, the article said that there were backup strains and they would move on <clears throat> to those, and that they would differ slightly in flavor. Um, Usually they weren't as sweet uh, from what I read. And then recently I saw something again about bananas. Uh, and I added the banana as a topic to my list uh, for show ideas. So, as I was mentioning, we're pretty ignorant as to how things make it to us. Like our food, clothing, electronics. Um, when you see a banana, you just think of a banana as... You know, this one looks like, you know, this is the best bunch of uh, bananas that I see here. I'll grab these and I'll do whatever with them and you move on. You don't, you don't really stop and think. So I thought I would cover the history of the banana, the issues facing them, and then some uh, banana-related items, uh, maybe for fun, that I found. So until the 1950s, the banana people were purchasing, that was the... Big Mike. The actual name is Gros Michel or Gros Michael, which is Big Mike. My French, as I've said in the past, is awful. So the Big Mike, that's how I'll refer to it. It was the banana, it was the banana of choice 
It had a thicker protective peel, and it made it easier to ship. It also grew in very dense bunches. It was a sweeter, creamier banana, and it was brought to the Caribbean uh, from Southeast Asia and planted there. And then later in 1835, a French botanist brought them to Jamaica, and then from there they spread to Costa Rica, Honduras, and other uh, Central American countries, and they were grown on large plantations. Everything was grooving until the 1950s. Not necessarily until the 1950s. There were issues in the earlier 1900s. But <clears throat> the 1950s were when a fungus that, like I said, took place in the early 1900s, it really took off. I can't pronounce the name of the fungus, um, but it was known as Panama disease or TR1. And the TR1 stood for Tropical Race 1. And it ravaged the big mite crops throughout Central America. And by the 1960s, big mite growers couldn't meet the demands and they switched growing. <clears throat> sorry, they switched to growing and exporting the Cavendish uh, because the Cavendish strain was resistant to TR1. And that's what we buy in the stores today. Big Mike is still grown on smaller plots in Central America that have not been affected by Panama disease. And Big Mike can also be found growing in Malaysia, Thailand, where they're predominantly exported to uh, China and Japan. And in 1922, I know we just heard a snippet of a song, but this fits here. In 1922, there was a song inspired by the shortages caused by Panama disease. So when Big Mike was being taken down by the Panama disease, they wrote a song, and it was called, Yes, We Have No Bananas. I don't think that song gets written today if we didn't have bananas. Anyway, this is Louis Prima singing, Yes, We Have No Bananas. We no got a the banana. We no got a the banana today. We got a little beans and a bigger beans and a red the beans and a white the beans and... A... All kinds of beans and say We got a the old-fashioned salami mm, We even got a the Brooklyn pastrami Oh yes We no got a the banana We no got a the banana today So even if we were to believe that the sky is falling today with these banana articles, I don't know that we'll respond to the crisis with a song like that. So as I mentioned earlier, currently we're mostly eating the Cavendish banana. But as I mentioned earlier in the show, people listen to the show all over the world. Not a lot of them, but a lot of countries. Um, so that means that they might be eating a different banana. So when I say... The banana we eat, I mean North America. We eat the Cavendish banana. Uh, so there are more than a thousand banana varieties, uh, but the Cavendish account for almost all of exported bananas. 50 million tons of Cavendish bananas are exported every year and account for a whopping 99% of all global banana exports. Uh, that 99% equals $8 billion annually. The Cavendish banana is cheap, nutritious, and seemingly endless in supply. This is where a smart person comes in uh, and provides you with information. His name is Dan Beber, and he's a banana researcher. He might be other things. I only know him as a banana researcher. He said, it looks very stable because we're getting bananas. 
but the environmental and social costs that allow that to happen have been high. The Cavendish banana is a sterile plant and can only be grown by creating clones. They are short, which help in tropical storms, they have high yields, and they're easy to spray with pesticides, Beber adds. People want cheap bananas, and the system is set up for a very uniform crop. In short, uniformity equals higher profits. As the Big Mike strain was threatened by TR1, Cavendish is facing an evolved threat of TR4. So in these tropical race diseases, uh, it's a fungus that causes a wilt, and it chokes it off from absorbing water or water traveling through it. So that's that's what's happening with these uh, these issues. So, what happens if the Cavendish goes the way of Big Mike? Right now, there are banana, I'll call them banana people, I don't know. Uh, so right now, banana people, researchers, scientists, they've tested 200 types of banana plants and the resistance to TR4, and less than 10% have shown resistance. And that isn't a solution, as the ones who were shown to be resistant are filled with hard seeds, as bananas are naturally filled with seeds before uh, humans started interfering with their growth and modifying them, uh, or they're starchy plantains and not the dessert banana. Uh, there are still hundreds of other banana varieties that people are eating today, but they don't travel well. They don't travel well enough to stock the shelves of you know, the grocery stores in North America. So will the Cavendish banana survive? Maybe, but that's not as sexy of a headline to churn out every couple years. Um, and a lot of people like bananas. And some people like bananas because they have no bones. This is a song from 1936 by George Elric. And the title is called, I Like Bananas because they have no bones. Standing by the fruit store on the corner Once I heard a customer complain You never seem to show The fruit we all love so That's why business hasn't been the same I don't like your peaches They are full of stone I like bananas Because they have no bones Don't give me tomatoes and sand ice cream cones. I like bananas because they have no bones. How fun was that? So a banana, a banana republic isn't just a clothing store owned by the Gap. It's also a politically unstable country with an economy dependent on the export of a limited resource product like bananas or minerals. Let's get some help from Wikipedia here. In 1901, American author O. Henry coined the term to describe Honduras and neighboring countries under economic exploitation by U.S. corporations, such as the United Fruit Company. Typically, a banana republic has a society of extremely stratified social classes, usually a large impoverished working class, uh, and a ruling class plutocracy, composed of the businesses, political, and military elites of that society. Such a ruling class oligarchy control of the primary sector of economy by way of the exploitation of labor. Thus, the term banana republic is a pejorative descriptor for a servile dictatorship that abets and supports for kickbacks, the exploitation of large-scale plantation agriculture, especially banana cultivation. In economics, a banana republic is a country with an economy of state capitalism by which economic model the country is operated as a private commercial enterprise for the exclusive profit of the ruling class. Such exploitation is enabled by collusion between the state and favored economic monopolies in which profit 
I'm sorry, in which the profit derived from the private exploitation of public lands is privately pro is private property, while the debts incurred thereby are the financial responsibility of the public treasury. Such an imbalanced, imbalanced economy remains limited by the uneven economic development of town and country and usually reduces the national currency into devalued banknotes, uh, which it would be just paper money, rendering the country ineligible for international development credit. And bananas are cheap for a reason. Bananas are the product of extremely low wages, long hours, and unsafe working conditions. The larger companies control the price of bananas, which cripples small independent banana growing operations. And those large corporations gained their foothold in the late 1800s when Central America was connected to North America by railroads. American businesses bought large tracts of land in Honduras, Guatemala, and Nicaragua. And by 1930, the American company, United Fruit Company, now known as Chiquita, owned 63% of the bananas leaving Latin America. Central America was taken advantage of due to its economic state and being politically divided. Um, the United Fruit Company reaped the benefits of corrupt government officials who gave access to the best land and didn't interfere with any business practices that kept prices low. They branched out to other countries and islands where they too profited from growing bananas, but that lowered their other industries, creating an unhealthy reliance on the export of bananas. So when they went to these other countries and islands who already had, you know, their other farming or uh, their exports, when they began making on, uh, money off of bananas, they just went pretty much, uh, they focused on, on bananas, uh, creating the unhealthy reliance on the exporting of bananas. Uh, in the 1950s, the Guatemalan government attempted to take land back and they were going to distribute among the lower class. Uh, but the American government interfered and overthrew a democratically elected government and helped elect a president who was more in line with their economic interests. Uh, the UN Agricultural Organization estimates that 30 to 40 percent of bananas are thrown away because they're not perfect enough, aesthetically pleasing. Uh, so if they don't look a certain way, they're thrown out. Another estimate is 5% of the world's carbon dioxide emissions come from the intense refrigeration that keeps bananas from ripening prematurely when they're in transit in those shipping containers. Uh, bananas are also hand-dipped in a chemical wash and grown with large amounts of toxic pesticides. 400 types of agrochemicals are used during banana production, and these chemicals can lead to sterility, cancer, and death. Insects become resistant to many of these pesticides, therefore stronger, more toxic chemicals are needed. These chemicals affect mammals, birds, plants, and the biodiversity of the area quickly disappears. Pesticides also destroy the possibility for pioneer plant species to grow and the area dies. It's estimated that 300, I'm sorry, it's estimated that 30 kilograms of pesticides are used per hectare per year on a banana plantation. The World Wildlife Fund alleges the banana industry produces more waste than any other agricultural sector in the developing world, and they estimate for every one ton of bananas produced, there are two tons of waste. That waste includes industrial plastic bags that cover the bananas during growing stages, the string that ties up the bags, the containers the bananas are carried in, and banana trees only bear fruit once in their lifetime, meaning once it produces, the tree goes to waste and most of that waste is poisoned with toxic pesticides and harms the environment. Uh, workers, workers are not provided with any compensation for any work-related injuries. Uh, they work short-term contracts that last three to six months, 
and child labor is commonplace. Women face uh, sexual harassment, and men make three to four times as much as they do. Uh, to top this all off, indigenous people are forced off the land so their land can be used as plantations for the bananas. So who are the players in the banana, in the banana game? There's Chiquita and Dole from the U.S., uh, Del Monte, Fives, and Noboa. Those five companies I just named own 90% of internationally traded bananas. Uh, there are trade agreements in place, and some of those are also influenced um, by history, by colonial history. Uh, in, North, in North America, for example, we don't consume any bananas from Belize or Suriname. Shout out to Suriname, who listens to the show. Uh, they were former European colonies. Uh, other factors in purchasing bananas are related to cost and ease of transportation. Brazil produces uh, large quantities of bananas, uh, but Ecuador produces them cheaper. Ecuador has fewer uh, policies and trade agreements, uh, so they go to Ecuador instead of Brazil. If importers stopped buying from a country um, that was reliant on, on the export of bananas, their whole economy would come crashing down. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the banana industry does take a real shit on the environment. When they clear-cut the land for banana plantations, it depletes the soil, and because a banana tree offers no leaf litter to feed the soil, when the plantations expand, the soil depletes even further with more erosion, then that leads to flooding. Uh, and in 1997, a study done off the coast of Costa Rica was discovered 60% of the coral reefs in the Coweta National Park had been severely damaged due to runoff from coastal banana plantations. And it seems whenever I pick out a topic, there's always shitty parts. I wasn't looking for that. I was just looking to find out why do they keep saying the banana is going to go extinct. But I guess that's life. Um, not to sound pessimistic. Uh, but you can barely look into anything and you can find the bad. This is just bananas. Like I mentioned earlier, think about all the other things we bring into our homes that we never thought about. Um their origin and journey to reach us aren't always important as their convenience or cost when we make our decisions. I know if I'm looking at bananas, I'm not necessarily thinking about these things. But there are some things you can do, potentially. Um, you can purchase fair trade bananas, where plantation workers get a better shake, and if that happens enough, it can increase the demand, making them more readily available. Organic bananas are an option, although the term can be used loosely. Um, and it means there won't be as high of an environmental cost. Um, and organic bananas are more sustainable. Currently, organic bananas account for 1% or 2% of global banana exports. I've seen them occasionally. I haven't seen them in a while. But I used to get them because they were bigger and they were kind of straight. Not It doesn't matter the shape of the banana, but that's how I would notice them. And they would have the little organic sticker on them. But they tasted good and I like them. Um, but yeah, that's been a couple of years, I think, since I've seen them. Uh, I should take a better look. Um, so here are some helpful banana tips, things you can do with bananas. Uh, you can shine shoes with bananas. After you eat the banana, you can remove the remnants of the banana from within and rub the inside of the peel on your shoe and finish with a paper towel. Uh, it says you can stop smoking with bananas. The vitamins B12 and B6 and the mineral potassium and magnesium help the body overcome the effects of nicotine withdrawal. You can treat bunions. 
um, squish a banana, rub it on, on the affected area, and uh, you can wrap the inner side of the peel around the bunion and leave it for the night. You just sleep with bananas on your feet. Uh, soothing stings and bites. The sugars in the banana peel will soothe an itchy, annoying mosquito bite. Um, there's a solution for aphids. Take a few pieces of banana peel and bury them one to two centimeters deep around the base of a plant affected with aphids. Don't use the fruit itself or you will attract even more hungry insects. Uh, it's good for heartburn. Uh, you can tenderize meat while thawing it. You can wrap it in banana leaves. Um, uh, while cooking, you can add a ripe banana to soften, uh, soften meat as well. Relieving PMS pain, uh, making hangover go away. Uh, the hangover cure... After a harsh night of drinking, boil a cup of water, put two banana peels in it, wait for it to cool and drink. Uh, you can treat bloody hemorrhoids. Steam two bananas with the peel until they soften. Eat on an empty stomach morning and evening until relief is achieved. Um, they can help uh, your quality of sleep. They're a substitute for vitamin D. Uh, return moisture to a tired face. Uh, you can use a banana paste to relax your skin. Um... So if you want to do that, uh, grab a pen. You can two spoons of almond oil, one ripe banana, and one ye egg yolk. You can mash the banana with a fork and remove the thick pieces. Add egg yolk and almond oil. Mix well. Wash your face dry with a clean towel. Put the paste on your face. Leave for 20 minutes. Then wash your face with cold water and dry well. Uh, they help fight anemia. So there's a lot of benefits to, uh, to the banana. So I'm going to put in I think one more banana song and this one's pretty annoying so I saved it for last and I promise this is the last song Alright, that's a modern banana song. It was a viral video a few years ago, and I think I like the old banana songs better. Especially the one about bananas not having bones. Anyway, let's finish the show with some throwaway banana facts. Just things I dug up. You could call it filler, but I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with you. So in twenty sixteen, news from China revealed Videos of people seductively eating bananas had been banned. The ban ruining everyone's banana-filled fun had been has been brought in to curb inappropriate and erotic content online. The regulations meant live streaming services have to monitor all of their output 24 hours, sorry, all of their output 24 hours a day, seven days a week. China's Ministry of Culture announced that all of the major platforms, I'm not going to pronounce them, were under investigation accused of hosting content that was too vulgar, violent, or too sexual. The sites have since overhauled their images, preventing their most popular hosts, who are mostly attractive women, from showing their cleavage. Earlier that year, China attempted to crack down on LGBT-themed web series and swearing. This next one is from an interview from The Breakfast Club and rapper Wiz Khalifa. Uh, he thought heterosexual men should not eat bananas straight out of the peel. Khalifa shared his thought on The Breakfast Club, telling host Charlemagne the God that men should break their bananas into little bits. He said, if you bite into a banana, you sus, meaning suspect. Uh, when Charlemagne protested it's just fruit, 
Khalifa doubled down on his assertions. You gotta break it into pieces, bro. You gotta break the banana in half. I'm just trying to help you out, bro. If you're in public, just break it into pieces. Uh, another uh, viral banana, banana, another viral banana video uh, was from, the, I think it was the early 2000s, uh, Kirk Cameron from uh, Growing Pains. Yeah, Growing Pains. Uh, he's gone on to make um, uh, Christian movies and content. And he sat down with a uh, gentleman named Ray Comfort. And Ray Comfort said, like a soda can alludes to there being a creator, so does the banana. So he was saying, if you just happened upon a, a soda can, it had a little top, it's a container, there's fluid inside, you would you would say that someone made that. So he said, the banana, same thing. The argument for the banana being designed by a creator... Uh, was based on his uh, the following characteristics. The banana is shaped to fit into the human hand. It comes with a protective non-slip surface to hold, which is also biodegradable and sits gracefully over the human hand. It curves towards the face for ease of consumption and does not squirt in one's face during the act. There is a pull tab at the top for easy access, and it has a simple color code to show ripeness green too early yellow just right black too late and i would argue with that because you want you want some of the brown spots you need those surprised by the reaction of the general public ray said it was taken out of context uh, he also offered richard dawkins twenty thousand dollars to sit and talk with him for 30 minutes after dawkins gave him the name the nickname banana man dawkins refused uh, in 2017 Comfort wrote a book about his banana beliefs, and in 2018, he released a documentary called The Fool, The True Banana Man Story, and I don't know why, but he was he was unaware that bananas are small and not good to eat naturally, that humans have uh, grown them to be uh, larger uh to remove the seeds like that's all been human intervention the banana we have today but anyway i'll give ray comfort the last word on this one my apologies for not explaining myself more clearly i was not aware that the common banana had been so modified through hybridization however the truth remains that god gave man the knowledge and ability to modify it so he could perfectly fit it into his hand he did the same with big dogs so they could fit into his car and wild cats so that they are perfectly fit for his wife. Hmm. I thought this one was fun. Um, bananas with edible peels are on their way. Again, they're probably not on their way to North America unless they start growing them here. But a Japanese agricultural research company had developed a banana with an edible peel called the monge, M-O-N-G-E-E, -E, which is slang for incredible in Japanese. The freaky fruit is grown using an extreme freezing and thawing process, according to D&T Farm spokesman Tetsuyi Tanaka. The idea began as a research hobby for technical development manager Sadzuzo Tanaka and evolved from there. First, scientists plant and grow banana trees in an environment kept at minus 60 degrees. Then the team thaws and replants them. The change in temperature encourages the plants to rapidly grow and leaves the fruit with a peel that has a texture like lettuce. Uh, regular bananas are usually grown at temperatures around 26 degrees 
Celsius, of course. Um, D&T Farm claimed they have exceptional nutritional qualities. The banana peel is an excellent ingredient. Adding the peels may contain vitamin B6, magnesium, and tryptophan. Uh, so the mangays are sweeter than their traditional relatives with nearly five more grams of sugar per fruit. And unlike the exterior of ordinary bananas, they don't taste bitter. Um, a journalist at the Tokyo-based website Rocket News 24 tested them out uh, and said that they had a very strong tropical flavor, like a pineapple. In an article, they described the skin is very thin, no strange texture, and fairly easy to eat. Um, unfortunately, mangies probably won't be cropping in Australia anytime soon. That's where the article was written. Uh, production costs are so high for these bananas, only 10 of them go on sale each week. And they cost a wallet busting $7.20 a piece, whatever that is in Australian money. Um, and they were also considering export, but it's likely to take a while. And I think the last thing we'll do is talk about banana flavor. And then we'll get off the banana. So where does the fake banana flavor come from? So banana imagery has been a fixture in the U.S., in North America, uh, long before the fruit ever arrived. Um, the imagery of bananas had cultural currency or cultural meaning before most people would have been able to taste them. Historians widely agree that the event that launched the actual fruit into the American public consciousness was the 1876 Philadelphia Centennial. The Centennial featured a banana exhibit with leafy trees, and Centennial goers could buy the fruit for a dime. Artificial banana flavoring in the U.S. predates the Philadelphia Centennial by at least a decade. Americans had already experienced the sticky sweet taste in the form of hard candies, confections, and puddings. The first formulas for banana flavoring that they discovered date to the 1860s, and they they had these um, ads saying the fruit the fruit essences including banana from the 1850s. So. Where did those essences come from? It all boils down to isoamyl acetate, probably pronouncing that wrong, <clears throat> uh, which is one of the main banana chemical compounds that characterizes banana flavor. Generally, in the early days of synthetic flavors, they weren't doing the analysis of fruits. There's many reasons for that. The main one is it's incredibly difficult. The chemical in fruits that contribute to the thing we perceive as the flavor are present in incredibly small quantities, parts per million, sometimes parts per billion. So that meant chemists working on making synthetic flavors took available organic carbon-containing chemicals and seized upon the sensory resemblances between synthetic chemicals and fruit flavors. So instead of searching for the many subtle compounds to make up a banana, chemists were satisfied when one compound produced a fruity taste. So that means that the artificial banana flavor we taste uh, is not like a banana at all because they just looked for one note of the banana and focused on that. Um, and the general fruity flavor could be applied to multiple fruits depending on your context. Uh, those sensory resemblances may vary from person to person, from country to country. For example, a if you were to get someone to smell the isoamyl acetate uh, in England, they would tell you that it smells like a pear. Um, it, they said, in fact, in order to really understand where artificial banana flavor comes from, you have to start with the artificial pear. That's because the British associated isomyl acetate, uh, its fruity flavor, with the jargonelle pear, which was common in the region. But those pears weren't as common in the U.S., and it wasn't the primary flavor 
connection that Americans made. Instead, chemical suppliers began to market the components, I'm sorry, market the compounds as banana flavor, forever linking the flavor and the fruit for the Americans and North Americans. Uh, so that's it. That's where, that's why banana runts don't taste like actual bananas. Uh, because a long time ago, they just took one, one aspect of banana flavoring and, and blew it up, focused on that. So I've at least solved that mystery for you today. So I think that'll do it. We're at, uh, we're at just about 40 minutes. So that's perfect. Um, I gotta get to work. Actually, I, I do have a question. OJ Simpson. OJ Simpson is on Twitter now. And he said he has people he needs to get even with. Uh, that was his first his first post on Twitter. <clears throat> and he's, he's got a lot of Twitter followers. But I see a lot of discussion about um, people saying not to follow him. I think a lot of people that follow OJ aren't condoning his murders. Uh, and probably do believe that he murdered them. Um, so I was curious what other people's thoughts were. Do you think that following someone is necessarily condoning, condoning them? Maybe there could be people that follow me. They don't necessarily condone what I do. I, I don't kill people. Uh, but I mean, as far as the show or anything like that, uh, I would assume those people that were getting upset about people following OJ Simpson, if you know, they probably followed Donald Trump and don't agree with him. I don't think that following someone is necessarily um, signing off on someone or co-signing their behavior or past behaviors. So I'm just curious. Let me know what you think or not. Maybe I'm just wondering it loud. So yeah, uh, I don't. I don't really post. The only thing I post on on Twitter nowadays is just when I have a, a when I put out a show. But uh, yeah, I followed him on on Twitter. Then I don't have to like type in his name to see what's going on. Uh, because the comments, people are just like flaming him. And that's that's why I go. Uh, but some people are upset that people are following him. But maybe maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. Or maybe I'm right. Who knows? So uh, whenever I get updates on the app, I will uh, I'll put that on my Instagram. Uh, maybe Twitter too. And uh, I'll put a link out uh, for the different, uh, the different platforms. And uh, you can write complaints in there if you want to. Or you do nothing with it. <clears throat> I know it's not the best way to listen to a podcast. It's not how I listen to a podcast. But you'll have a link to, to listen to all my stuff there. So I think that's it. Obviously, Hats isn't going to speak or contribute anything. He's still asking me to do a hot take segment. And he still has not produced any hot take music or setup music for that. So so let's get out of here, Hats. You work on that. And I'll uh, certainly do that for you. I'll add that segment to the show. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at thisispotu and Twitter, but I don't do anything on Twitter, really. Uh, and you can find Hats at Hats the Producer, and the email for the show is podcast to the email. Jesus Christ, what is wrong with me? I'm not even cutting that out. The email is podcastoftheuniverse at gmail.com. And this is a perfect time to stop because my brain is broken. All right. Until next time, everyone, be curious.